0: I'd like to welcome you to our Wednesday night service and like to welcome those that are joining us by the way of the internet. I thank God for your presence and I want you to know we pray for you. We may not be able to see your face, but we know that you're there, you're listening, and I trust this message will be a great help to you. I heard an evangelist one time say, if I can't help you, I sure don't want to hurt you, and and that's for sure. And and, uh, the title of the message is Lessons Learned from trials. And there's things that we ought to learn as we go through life, but especially when we go through trials. And and here the Apostle Paul was taking the time to instruct those in Philippi, the church at Philippi, on how to have a successful Christian life even when you go through trials. And many times we expect God to just remove things or we expect God to fix things real quick and Praise the Lord. I'm glad he can. But, you know, God has some expectations from us as well. As we go through that trial, there's things that we ought to learn. There's things that we ought to apply. And in order for us to have peace... As we go through the trials and, and, and much of this, if you've read through the book of Philippians and all this is going to be very familiar to you, but we need to be reminded as to what God expects from us and, and we're always learning. We should always be applying the truth from the Bible and because uh, I need help and when we go through trials, you need peace. You need that peace. And I'm glad that we can bring it all to Him. I'm glad that we can pray and ask God to to remove even trials from our life. But we understand that He doesn't always do that. But the one thing He always does is He gives us grace to be able to bear up underneath that load as we continue to move forward for Him. And and, uh, there's so many things right here. And I'm going to get right into the message. But Philippians chapter 4, if you'd like to find your place there. And, uh, you know, th- there are certain things that you'll only learn through trials. Uh, there, there, there are certain things that you'll only, lessons, if you would, that you'll learn uh, from experiencing trials. I mean, you can hear others and you can hear about it and Paul's going to he's going to remind them uh, of the things that they learned from him by seeing and hearing what he said and things like that, but you want to be there for that lesson. You want to be there when the lesson is given because if you're not there when the lesson is given, then when the test comes, you're going to fail because you won't have the answer. And you won't have the direction that you need if you miss the lesson. And that's why I want to thank all of our church family this those that are listening by the way of the internet, and it's so important because you're responsible. You're responsible for for God before God for every message that comes out from this pulpit if you're a member here at our church. And even if you're away or if you're you're working or something happens that you cannot make it, maybe you're sick or something or maybe you're going through a trial, hey, you still are required by the Lord to hear the messages that are preached from this pulpit. And I trust it will be a great help to you tonight. And the first mention of the word experience in the Bible is found in Genesis 3. 30 in verse 27, it says, And Laban said unto him, I pray thee, if I have found favor in thine eyes, tarry, for I have learned by experience. That, that There's some things that can just be taught that you don't have to experience and you can learn it. You know, I, I can learn that touching a hot stove or a hot burner will hurt me without having to experience that. And uh, there's some things that you can learn, but here Laban says, I have learned by experience uh, that the Lord hath blessed me for thy sake. Uh, And and he learned a valuable lesson through experience there. And then the last mention of the word experience is found in the Bible. It's found in Romans chapter 5 and verse 3. It says, and not only so, but we glory in tribulations also. (laughs) Boy, we glory in tribulations. Boy, just let that sink in for a little bit. Um, Knowing, and this is why we can glory in tribulations. It's not that, oh yeah, I'm happy my car broke down, or I'm happy that I've got this health issue, or I'm happy I don't have the finances that I need. That's not what it's saying right here. It says knowing, uh, this is what we can glory in, that knowing that tribulations worketh patience. And patience experience, and experience hope. And hope maketh not a shame, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. You see, tribulations worketh patience. What's that mean? That's when we're going to learn to wait on the Lord. And, and you, you will get that in tribulations. That's what you're going, you'll get patience out of that. You'll be able to apply Isaiah 40 verse 31 to your life. They that wait upon the Lord. But they that wait upon the Lord. Uh, hey, in, in our trials, in our troubles, uh, we wait upon Him and we learn that it's in those times that we gotta wait for Him. Uh, and uh, going through trials will give us experience that'll produce uh, Hope. Uh, and we'll, we'll realize that the only hope we have is the hope that we have in the Lord. Vestal Goodman sings a song entitled God Walks the Dark Hills. And, and, and the verse goes like this. And I, I, if you've never heard this song, I would encourage you to listen to it. And you can find it on the internet. And... But it's God Walks the Dark Hills. And let that just sink in, don't, don't even go no further. And let that sink in a little bit. You ever been there? Have you ever been in them dark hills? And uh, it, it says that God walks the dark hills in the ways and byways. He walks through the billows of life's troubled sea. You ever been there? He walks through the cold, dark night, the shadows of midnight. God walks the dark hills just to guide you and me. God walks the dark hills to guide my footsteps. He walks everywhere. By night and by day, he walks in the silence. Boy, you ever been there? On down the highway, God walks the dark hills to show me the way. God walks in the storm, the rain, and the sunshine. He walks on the billows, on through glimmering light. Helps us walk up the mountain so high and cross our rivers and cross the valleys. God walks the dark hills because he loves you and me. I, I could say as 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 I read these words, and many of you probably know that song, uh, and, and we can relate to that song. And and uh, we we were we were on a hillside uh, last week and, and enjoyed some time away there in the mountains of North Carolina. And, uh, but, but on those hills, I'm telling you, I, I've been on hills before and not just beautiful mountains or the side of a mountain. I'm talking about dark times, dark hills in my life. Uh, but I can relate to this song. Why? Because I've been there. I've been in those dark hills. I've been up those mountains uh, that, that, that's being referenced here and the valleys and the tribulations and the trials. Uh, but how, how do you know that God walks the dark hills? You'd never know that unless you've been there. And oh, you learn by experience that God walks those dark hills. Uh, I have a cousin that, that lives in the mountains, he's a land broker there, and and he, he told us there's are certain areas there in those mountains that, I mean, and, and I'm, I'm sure he was joking a little bit, but, but probably was telling the, exactly the truth there on saying the fact that there's no direct sunlight that hits some areas in those mountains just because of the way they're, they're, they're situated, the side of that mountain or some crevice or some, some valley. And, and, and he was joking. He says, they got to filter the sunlight in through a two-inch pipe and it takes two weeks to get there. And and uh, but but I thought about that. I, I thought about that. There's going to be times in our life where the sunlight's not going to hit you directly, and there's going to be times in your life where you're going to be nestled in some 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 crook there or some some crevice there. You're going to be nestled there, and there's not going to be much sunlight. There's going to be dark hills in, in our life, and, and it's in the trials of life that you know that God walks everywhere. You'll never be left alone. It's in the trials that you're going to find out how good God really is. It's in those dark nights and those silent nights and the billows uh, going up the mountains there and walking in the valleys below that you'll learn that God's grace is sufficient. And you'll learn by experience to set your hope in God. With the help of God, I'd like to preach on the subject, Lessons Learned from Trials. Here in Philippians chapter 4, Paul tells the Philippians in this church that's gathered at Philippi, he's telling them and he's telling us about the lessons that he learned through trials and and what God expects of you and me in order for us to get that peace and and, and to get God's approval even as we go through the trials, then then there's some certain things that God expects us to learn and put into practice to apply them in our lives. In Philippians 4, let's start reading in verse 4. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Rejoice. Whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Uh, Hey, I'm going to tell you, there's some things you ought to be thinking about when you're going through a trial, and this is what you ought to be considering. Uh, These are the things that you need to focus on when you're going through a trial because, hey, it'll keep your mind at peace, uh, and it'll help you in many ways, uh. And it says in verse nine, those things which ye have both learned, and this is key verse here. This is one of the key verses, and a lot of times we want to run down to verse thirteen. I can do all things through Christ, boy. Now you know, but hey, you gotta you gotta apply that verse in the context and where it comes from. And if you look at verse nine, it says those things which ye have both learned. Again, what are we talking about tonight? Lessons learned from trials that you've both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. God expects us to do these things that we're about to uh, uh, preach on tonight. And, now that, that means this equals, if you do all these things, it equals this, uh, and the God of peace shall be with you. Verse 10. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly, that now at the last your care of me have flourished again, wherein ye were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned. Again, here's that word learned. In whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. I know both how to be a base and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer deed. I can do all things Through Christ, uh, which strengtheneth me. Uh, Number one tonight, uh, the first lesson that I would like for us to look at is how to get peace in your trial how do you get peace when you're going through a trial I've visited people who were going through great trials and and they had no peace Uh, you could tell there was no peace but I've also visited other people that were going through even worse trials than than those people and they were acting as if nothing was going on Uh, Oh, I've been in hospitals uh, where I saw some family members wailing and screaming over the condition of a loved one but I've also been in hospitals uh, where family members were singing and and they were quoting scripture and they were praising God uh, over the same situation I realized that God makes each person different uh, and and I get that I realize we all react differently to certain things uh, but what was the difference between these two sets of illustrations that I just gave hey one family had the peace of God which passeth all understanding, and the other one didn't. So how do you get peace in your trial? Well, it starts right there in verse 4. And it tells us, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say, rejoice. You know, many people are going to rob themselves of the peace of God that passeth all understanding. They're going to rob themselves of the peace that they could have because they choose to fret instead of rejoicing in the Lord always. I'm not saying, it's not saying here that you can't be sad. It's not saying that you can't feel hurt or or, or pain. But there's no circumstance that comes our way that should keep us from rejoicing in the Lord. Oh, in our trial it says we must rejoice in the Lord. Why? Because he's still good. Hey, no matter what we're going through, it doesn't change the fact that God is still good. I still have something to rejoice over when I'm going through the trials of life because God is still good. Not only is good, but he's still perfect. His will and his way is still perfect for my life uh, and I can rejoice in that tonight uh, his love toward me never changes uh, no matter what I'm facing what I'm going through uh, there's some things that I can rejoice over I can rejoice over the fact that Jesus uh, loves me uh, and not, not only that but he's still faithful <laughs> no matter what I'm going through he is still faithful and I can rejoice in that. I can rejoice over the fact that He's still in control of all things. I can rejoice with the fact that He walks the dark hills and He's right there with me. He's with us. Not only that, I can rejoice over His Word that will give me comfort as I go through the trials. I can also rejoice in the grace, His grace that's sufficient for me. Oh, Jeremiah 29, 11. says for I know the thoughts that I think toward you Uh, saith the Lord uh, thoughts of peace uh, and not evil to give you an expected end Uh, oh when we rejoice in the Lord you know what happens you take your eyes uh, off the circumstances uh, that you're in Uh, even in our trials uh, the Lord is worthy to be rejoiced over oh our circumstances Oh, they're hard at times. And they may not give us reason to rejoice, but the Lord of our circumstance will always... Give us a reason to rejoice in him. He's God on the mountain, but he's also God in the valleys. Oh, he walks the dark hills. He walked Mount Calvary. And on Mount Calvary, he bore our sin in his body. He was rejected so that you and I would never have to go through that. Can I just remind you tonight that God is ever-present. God here our cries. Why? because Jesus suffered the rejection for us. God always hears our prayers. Have you ever thought, this is just a side note, but have you ever thought why God hears the sinner when he cries out to him? I mean God's holy. God is sinless. God is high and lifted up. Uh, God is righteous. So how can he hear a sinner when he cries out to him? It's all because of Jesus oh in 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 5 it says for there is one God and one mediator between God and men the man Christ Jesus who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time oh I, I God heard that old publican when he went down to the temple he cried out to God over in Luke 18 and he said God be merciful to me." a sinner. God heard a sinner's cry when he humbled himself before him and he asked God to be merciful to him. The Bible says that he left justified. Oh, thank God that he hears our cries. I have one plea. All I have is one plea and it's the blood of Jesus that was shed for me. So how do you get peace when you're going through a trial? Paul says you need to rejoice in the Lord. You know, this letter is written to the church in Philippi, and it's very interesting here because one of the families that attended this church was the family of the Philippian jailer. Do you think the words rejoice in the Lord always meant something to that man? Hey, Paul and Silas had been laid with many stripes. The Bible says they'd been cast into the innermost parts of the prison. Their feet was made fast in stocks. Yet, in their darkest hours, in that midnight hour, what were they doing? Hey, you remember what Paul said there in verse 9? Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. You think that Philippian jailer didn't go back to that time where he heard and he knew, hey, there's something different about that crowd right there. They're in there praying and they're in there singing. They're in there rejoicing in the Lord always, even in their darkest time. Oh, Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is instructing them and us on how to have peace in our trials. He's giving us the keys to having a successful Christian life. And then it goes down to verse 5 and it says, Let your moderation be known unto all men, the Lord is at hand. If we're going to have peace in our trials then we're going to have to be reminded that even in your trial even in the darkest times that you're going through, you're still a testimony of the grace and the goodness of of God. Let your moderation be known unto all men. That's your actions how you react in your storms and how you react in your trials. Oh as they read this letter in church. Oh I, I can see that Philippian jailer he, he's starting to squirm a little bit he, he can't wait to get to a point where he can just let out a big amen oh that's right Paul oh he can go on to testify and he could say I witnessed Paul. I witnessed Silas His moderation, and so did all the other prisoners there. Yes, the Lord was at hand in their life that night. The Lord was very present, and He was watching over them. Oh, and He gave them a reason to rejoice in the darkest of their night. But can I just testify tonight, He would say, Oh, that the reason my family and I are here is because God was at hand for them, but He was also at hand for me. Oh my, It's through their testimony. Oh, oh that God gave me hope. God help me in my darkest hour. You know, as you go through trials, you never know who else God is working on. You know, when we go through trials, it's so easy to get self-centered. when Paul and Silas... When they were in that inner prison, they had no idea that God was at hand in the jailer's life. They had no idea of that. But you know what God expects of us in our trials? To have a good testimony. Why? Because the Lord is at hand. Oh, then we go back. You've got to go back to verse 9 again. Remember, that's the key verse in this passage. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, do, do them. And if you'll do them, the God of peace shall be with you. In order to have peace in our trials, then we must rejoice. We must maintain A good testimony. Why? Because the Lord is at hand. The Lord is right there. He's ready to work. And not just in our life and on our behalf, but on the behalf of somebody around us. Go to verse 6 now. It says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known unto God. You know, rejoicing in our trials is not something easy. I, 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 there's never been a lesson in school for me that was easy. I, I had to, I had to really get it in there to get some help. You know, keeping a a, a good testimony in our trial—that's not easy either. Why? Because we tend to complain, we tend to murmur. But now Paul tells them, "Hey, be careful for nothing." <laughs> Well, what's that mean to be careful for nothing? That means don't worry about it. Just give it to God. Can I say that's not always easy because we tend to worry. But if you want to have peace in your trials, then we have to be careful for nothing. And we need to take whatever that is, we need to take it to the Lord with thanksgiving. Oh, thanksgiving's the opposite of complaining, by the way. <laughs> I think we can all say that we've probably failed in these areas, maybe more than once. Worrying will lead you to being unthankful. Worrying will lead you to focus on your problems and it'll keep you from being thankful and it'll rob you from the peace of God that you could have in your trial. Just turn a few pages over to Colossians, if you would. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 15 Keep your place. We'll be right back. Just a few pages over. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 15 it says, And let, underline that word, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Did you notice that little word let? Did you underline it in your Bible? You know what that means? That means it's a choice. It's a choice. We must let the God of peace rule in our hearts because if we don't, we'll let something else. Rule in our hearts uh, because it's in the trials that a lot of times bitterness will pop up. Uh, it's ugly. Hey, we get so self-centered uh, that we start developing bitterness in our life uh, because if we don't yield to the peace of God, then we're going to yield to something else. Uh, we'll yield to being unthankful. We'll yield to being ungrateful. We'll yield uh, and having an unkind spirit uh, and bitterness will rob us from the peace of uh, of God. Paul says, don't worry. Just give it to God with thanksgiving. You know, God doesn't take too kindly to complaining, but yet you hear a lot of complaining going on in the church. I don't like this, and I don't like that, and I don't. Hey, won't you try rejoicing? You'll have a better spirit. You'll encourage some other people around you God don't take kindly to complaining. He don't take kindly to murmuring and griping and being unthankful. Oh, ask the children of Israel how God responded to their complaining and how He responded to their murmuring and their their trials. You know, God will give you peace. He'll give peace to those that rejoice. He'll give peace to those that keep a good testimony. Of the goodness and the grace of God. And He'll give peace to those that don't worry and just give thanks to Him. Lessons learned from trials. Paul's given us the keys, the keys to having God's peace rule in our hearts. What are some other lessons that Paul learned from his trials? Look at verse 11. Not that I speak in respect of want. For I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Not only did he learn how to have peace in the trials, but he also learned to be content in whatsoever state he was in. Again, this is not an easy lesson. You you think about think about this. How often are we not content? To, I mean, we're seldom content when everything is going right. Because we always want more. We want more money. We, we want a better job. We want better health. Uh, we want better, more success. Uh, we want more good times. Uh, we want more toys. Uh, we want more hobbies. Uh, hey, we're not even content when everything is going good. Am I when things go south and things change? You know what? We're not content there either. We want out of that as quick as we can. But you see, contentment. It's something that has to be learned. Paul prayed for deliverance from that thorn in the flesh that he had, but he had to content himself with the all-sufficient grace of God. He testified that the grace of God was better. I've learned to be content because his grace was better than having the thorn removed from his flesh. You know, when we're faced with a trial, we can pray and ask God to remove it. But while you wait for the answer, you can also say, Lord, not my will, but thine be done. Lord, if you don't want to take this away, I'll be thankful for the grace that you give me to bear the trial. And Lord, I'll just sit here and rejoice in your strength. That's what Paul did over in 2 Corinthians 12 and verse 9. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasures in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong." To have the power of Christ to rest on him was more important than being free from burdens. How many times do we just want to be free from burdens instead of having the power of Christ on our lives? Look, we're talking about lessons learned from trials. God wants to teach us to be content in him, (laughs) And to be content in whatever state he allows us to be in. It's in the trials that you'll learn that God is still in control. (laughs) You know, many times we want God to have control when everything's going south and everything's going bad in our lives. Oh, we want God to have control. Yes, Lord, fix it. Yeah, go ahead, Lord. You just go ahead and work all all that. Yes, yes. But you know what? When everything's going good, we want to relinquish that control. We we want control when everything's going good, but you see, it don't work that way. God should have control of our lives all the time when it's good and when it's bad. Have you learned to be content? That means being okay with whatever God allows in your life. Because you see, not being content will rob you of the peace of God. The final lesson that we're going to look at tonight is found in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 13. Paul said this, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. What does that mean? Well, we've got to stay in the context here. A lot of times we want to use this to, oh, I can, you know, I can, I can win a sporting event or I can do all things. You know. Yeah, we won't, we, we but let's stay in the context here. What, what can he do? I can do all things. What can he do through Christ that strengthened him? What is it? What, what did we just read? What is he talking about here? What is he referencing when he says, I can do all things through Christ which strengthened me? What is he saying? He said, I can rejoice in the Lord always. Not because of me, not because of my strength, but because of Jesus Christ. Through His strength, I can do and I can learn, I can receive everything that I've heard, receive, I can do it through Christ that strengthens me. I can rejoice in the Lord always. Not only that, but I can maintain a good testimony of the goodness of God, of the mercy and grace and the salvation of God in the good times and in the bad times because I can do it through Christ which strengthens me. I can also in my trials recognize the fact that God is not only at hand in my life and working in my life, but he's also working in somebody else's life. The Lord is at hand. I can do all things through Christ. What, what are those all things? I can trust God and not worry or fret over my trial. What I can do, I can bring it all to Him and just leave it there and leave with thanksgiving on my lips. What, what else can I do through Christ that strengthens me? I can learn, to, I can be content. God can help me to be content in whatsoever state. Amen. Paul said that his trials taught him that he can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth him. You may be here tonight thinking, How am I going to make it? Preacher, if you only knew the trial that I'm going through, it's too great for me. Can I just say, Why don't you try rejoicing in the Lord? Always. Why don't you try witnessing to someone about the Lord? Can I just remind you that you'll never have a greater impact or a greater influence on others than when you're going through a trial? Why don't you try just letting go and letting God? You can either be careful for nothing. You can either not worry, not fret, just give it to God, or you can grieve the Holy Spirit in worrying and fretting over things that God's got under control anyway. You can sit there and worry about yourself and worry about your family member or financial issue, or you can just take it to the Lord with thanksgiving. Why don't you just try being content with God? You see, you're always, always in God's hand. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. There's nothing, think about this, there's nothing that will pluck you out of God's hand. No trial, no circumstance, no dark hill, no valley, nothing can pluck you out of the hand of God. You're always in His hand. Have you ever tried picking up a, a, a minnow, a mud minnow, out of a water bucket there And while you're fishing? That minnow's first reaction is going to try to squirm. And he, he's going to try his best to wiggle himself so that he can get out of your hand. But soon, that minnow realizes that it can't get away. So what does it do? It quits moving. In our trials, we too ought to just rest... In God's hand. We ought to rest in God's peace. Why? Because he's not going to put us on a hook and drop us down to the bottom of the ocean floor for a bigger fish to eat us up. In 1 Peter 5, 6, it says, Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. You see, God's not trying to tear you down. He's trying to build you up. But we've got to be willing to stay right there in his hand. And whatever His hand allows, we ought to accept it. And what ought we to do? Casting all your care upon Him. For He careth for you. Quit squirming. Quit trying to get out of it. And just throw it on Him. And you know what's going to happen? God will give you peace. Why don't you just try operating in His strength instead of your own? Let God work all things out for good in your life. We must trust Him. If you want peace, then you need to apply these things to your life. And I promise you that God will do what God said He'll do. And He'll give you that peace. And He'll help you and give you grace to go through the trial.